Do you want to know who's the hottest president? Doesn't make you glow to learn sick cabello. reward you will learn if you spend some time with us we all dress like your dad and wear glasses we assure you it's not that bad with three dudes wearing glasses my name is Gus, and I'm wearing a large black sweatshirt that is not mine. My name is Mitchell, and I'm wearing a green sweatshirt that is mine. My name is Evan, and I'm wearing a gray t-shirt. I think it's mine. And we are three dudes wearing plaid. Every week on this show, we learn something brand new. The only catch is we have no idea what we're going to be learning about yet. You're listening to this in February, but we're recording this in January, and we're back on campus for the first time in a year. And it's weird. It is odd, indeed. I, I honestly was thinking about, like, what if we just slotted this one in before other ones? Because is the feeling... It's not just the fact that we're on campus right now. It's the vibe of it. I feel like may influence the show a bit of like, there's a little bit of jank. It's just kind of creepy. There's no one here. It's empty. It's quiet. I'm deeply unsettled. Might be quiet for you. I have a radiator directly behind the head of my bed and the noises that thing makes. Demonic in nature, canceled out by the fact that you can hear the bells of the, the Baker Bell Tower quite clearly from where we are. Yeah, and the bells of the chapel. Two whole bells. That's so many bells. I mean, I'm assuming it's more than two bells. No, one bell per tower. That's cool. <laughs> They've been bell rationing lately. It's like the best line of poetry Edgar Allan Poe ever wrote. The tintinabulation of the bells. Bells, 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 bells. <laughs> That's real poetry that Edgar Allan Poe wrote. Much as the greatest line in Hamlet is words, words, words. Yes. He just he just decided to crank that, the repetition dial up to 11 to try to save a poem. I don't like Edgar Allan Poe's poetry. Mm, hot take. I like it less than his short stories. And I know that is a hot okay. take, but like he does have some good ones. But whenever people say, <laughs> I can't help but think of the bells, the repetitive bells, 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 just seven of them. <laughs> <laughs> that I've I've counted because I had to look it up. Like I get it. You hear a bell and it's like the same sound over and over. So there might be some sort of representation of whatever in there. But I'm just not a fan. That is totally fair. I don't think I've ever actually read the Bell's poem. I like Dream Within a Dream. The only Edgar Allan Poe poem I've ever read is The Raven. I hate to be basic, but it's the truth. You know what, Evan? That is totally fine because The Raven is a baller-ass poem. <laughs> the Raven does slap. It goes hard. But was it well-known in its time? I mean, I don't think so. I don't think Edgar Allan Poe was particularly well-known in his time, unless I'm vastly mixing him up with somebody else. He definitely married his cousin. He did do that. But was he well-known in his time? Give me a sec, Mitchell. I'm trying. <laughs>
Well, Mitchell, funny you should ask. <laughs> Sorry I swooped you, Evan. It's okay. Uh, because according to the Poe Museum, which has published Poe's biography, the January 1845 publication of The Raven made Poe a household name. So yeah, apparently he was well known in his time specifically for The Raven. Holy moly. Well, then that makes sense why it's existed long after his uh, untimely and um, unfortunate death. Yeah, and he died Excuse me. His wife, Virginia, died two years after he published The Raven. And he was unable to write after she died, so his critics assumed that he would soon be dead. They were right. Poe only <laughs> lived another two years and spent much of that time traveling to give lectures and finding backers for his latest proposed magazine project. So he was well known in his time, but not for very long. According to the Wikipedia page about Poe, he was particularly famous during his lifetime for his literary criticism, which he published. Interesting. He apparently had a distinctive style. I'm trying to find out what that distinctive style was, but Wikipedia pages are long. <laughs> <laughs> they are. While we're on the subject of death, and I feel like usually when we talk about people, we talk about their death at the end, but for Poe, maybe it's fitting now that we've said he was well-recognized to just bring it up at the beginning. So I'll talk about it now. So he published The Raven in, what, 1845? 1845, yeah. 1845, and then on October 3rd, 1849, he was found delirious in the streets of Baltimore, quote, in great distress and in need of immediate assistance, according to a man named Joseph W. Walker, who found him. God, um, same. And then he was taken to Washington Medical College. He died on October 7th, so four days after he was found. Although all medical records, including his death certificate, have been lost. Wow. Newspapers at the time reported his death as, quote, congestion of the brain or, quote, cerebral inflammation. Common euphemisms for death from disreputable causes such as alcoholism. But because we don't have any of the me medical records, the actual cause of death remains a mystery. Speculation has included... <clears throat> Delirium tremens, heart disease, epilepsy, syphilis, meningeal inflammation, cholera, and rabies. Huh. A man named Sondgrass was particularly convinced that Poe died of alcoholism, but he may have had some ulterior motives for this belief as he was a big fan of the temperance movement and used <laughs> Poe as sort of like a moral as to why liquor is bad. So Damn. take that with a great assault. Speaking of people with ulterior motives surrounding Poe's death, just days after he died, his literary rival Rufus Griswold wrote a libelous obituary of the author in a misguided attempt at revenge for some of the offensive <laughs> things Poe had said and written about him. Oh my god. The wiki source actually has the text of Death of Edgar Allan Poe by Rufus Wilmot Griswold. And it fucking starts with... <clears throat> Edgar Allan Poe is dead. He died in Baltimore the day before yesterday. This announcement will startle many, but few will be grieved by it. Holy moly. Ooh. It goes on to say that he has few or no friends. Damn. He seemingly was good at talking, so that's nice of Rufus to say, I guess. He walked the streets in madness or melancholy with lips moving in indistinct curses. He regarded society as composed of villains. Passion in him co comprehended many of the worst emotions which militate against human happiness. You could not contradict him, but you raised quick collar. That is insane. One more thing. One more thing. Okay. Mm. Quote, as a critic, he was more remarkable as a dissector of sentences than as a commenter upon ideas. He was little better than a carping grammarian. <laughs> holy shit rufus oh my god that's hardcore that's, that's so unfortunate yeah shitty of him 
It appeared in the evening edition of the New York Tribune two fucking days after Poe died. 48 hours. It's so mean. Gentlemen, I I, I hate to uh, have withheld information from you, but when I was talking about Edgar Allan Poe's death, I left out one of the proposed causes of it. Speaking of people with conspiracy theories about his death. Because I needed to look into it more. Because Wikipedia notes that one theory dating from 1872 suggests that cooping was the cause of Poe's death. Cooping? The source listed for this is John Evangelist Walsh in 2000 or 2000 publication of a 1968 something called Poe the Detective, The Curious Circumstances Behind the Mystery of Marie Roger. So some essay about him citing this theory. Cooping, and you'll see why I took pains to be specific about this. Very short Wikipedia article. It is a form of electoral fraud in the United States. First line says it's cited in relation to the death of Edgar Allan Poe by which citizens were kidnapped off the street and forced to vote often several times over for an election candidate and like held in interrogation rooms and and beaten and given disguises to go out and and vote at the ballot box multiple times and then that this process on the victim caused like psychological trauma and then death it's called cooping because you get cooped up where you are which you know feels relevant to now Yeah. I don't know if this is a real thing. According to the Wikipedia page on Poe's death, Cooping has become the standard explanation for Poe's death in most of his biographies for several decades. Holy shit. And part of the, the evidence for that is that he was found when he died in really dirty and disheveled clothes, which would explain, Cooping would explain that if he'd been beaten. Oh, and... More recent analysis suggests that Poe's death resulted from rabies, possibly contracted from rat bites during his cooping days of captivity. Wait, sorry, so rabies might be the real one? Yeah, but rabies caused by cooping. What the fuck? That's that's maybe, I don't even know if Poe was a Victorian, but that kind of sounds like the most Victorian way to go out. You know what? I, I, I want to look into this, and this is really making me want to buy one of the many documentaries about Poe that I just find by cursory Google search. There's one from PBS that I'm finding via uh, actually a Bostonia article from BU, so awesome, by a dir- director, Eric Strange, who <laughs> made oh a documentary called Edgar Allan Poe, or Stange, sorry, Stange maybe, Edgar Allan Poe, Buried Alive. Oh shit. And he evidently was interested in showing the dichotomy of like, you know, he was a loving, doting husband, but also he could be a terrible husband. Some of his poetry is, quote, brilliant and beautiful. And there's there's some really schlocky, terrible poems. (laughs) The guy who plays Edgar Allan Poe is is Denny O'Hare, a Tony-winning Broadway performer, also known for playing vampire Russell Edgington on HBO's True Blood. Great. I want to watch this film now because we got to know. Was it rabies? Was it election fraud? Both? Neither? (laughs) You know, that'll be a project for us. I'd like to redirect the conversation slightly. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's okay. Okay. Because as fascinating as I find his death, I would also maybe like to talk about his work a little bit. Oh, sure. Yeah. We all know about The Raven. It was published and it made him a household name. The stories of his that I'm actually most familiar with and that I think are some of the most interesting are the Auguste Dupin. Oh my God. Like mysteries. Yes. Dupin is a detective character who was written before the word detective had been coined. And his first appearance in Poe's 1841 short story, The Murders in the Rue Morgue, is widely considered the first detective fiction story. 
He laid the groundwork for other sleuths like Sherlock Holmes that would come later. And they're just really interesting, cool mystery stories. I mean, granted, in one of them, an orangutan did it. So, <laughs> like, not oh, perhaps no. n- not what you would think of as maybe the most sophisticated highbrow literary stories, but I really liked them. I thought they were very interesting and you could definitely see the bones of the detective genre in them. And and Sherlock Holmes himself with the whole deductive reasoning thing. There's a quote here looking at C. August Dupin. Uh, Chevalier August Dupin, excuse me. Put some respect mm. on his title. <laughs> yeah, from a quote from the Murders in the Rue Morgue. But it is in matters beyond the limits of mere rule that the skill of the analyst is evinced. He makes in silence a host of observations and inferences. You gotta stand there and you gotta look at everything and then deduce stuff. And also an orangutan doing it is better than uh, a boomerang doing it. So <laughs> <laughs> that that is fair. Arthur Conan Doyle, famously the creator of Sherlock Holmes, is actually quoted as saying each of Poe's detective stories is a route from which a whole literature has developed. Where was the detective story until Poe breathed the breath of life into it? And Dupin also had a significant impact upon the character of Hercule Poirot, who (sighs) Agatha Christie wrote. So Poe's short stories about Dupin literally did sort of birth an entire genre of arguably much more famous detectives. According to the Wikipedia page about Dupont, they also talk about how the stories helped solidify the two major tropes of detective genre, which is the eccentric but brilliant detective and the bumbling constable, (laughs) which is what literally every detective story is. Returning to something I said at the very beginning, I just wanted to Google it to make sure he did in fact marry his cousin. Yes. Virginia Eliza Clem Poe was his first cousin, and they were married when Poe was 27 and Clem was 13. I don't know what biographers disagree as to the nature of the couple's relationship fucking means, but in what way do they disagree? That doesn't make any sense. Apparently, though their marriage was loving, some biographers suggest they viewed one another more like a brother and sister, which I assume is why they got married. Oh, no. She was the one who died young, and then he died two years later, and her struggles with illness and death are believed to have affected his poetry and prose, where dying young women appear as a frequent motif, as in Annabelle Lee, The Raven, and Ligeia? Ligeia? Mm. It's a story about a narrator and his sick wife. Let's talk about the gold bug. Yeah, let's do that. Distract from the horrible personal life with another uh, entire genre of stuff that he influenced. Because the gold bug, which is uh, a a story of Poe's, which follows William Legrand, who was bitten by a gold color bug. And then uh, there's an adventure involving cryptography and buried treasure. Itself influenced by by Poe's service, uh, military service at Fort Moultrie. In South Carolina, from November of 1827 to December of 1828, which a a term of service that all ultimately influenced a lot of his other stuff that has like the sea in it. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking of like the oblong box with the guy with the coffin on the boat. But the first thing on on the influence section of this Wikipedia page about this story is that it inspired Robert Louis Stevenson in his novel about treasure hunting, Treasure Island. Oh, cool. Treasure Island. William F. Friedman, America's foremost cryptologist, initially became interested in cryptography after reading The Gold Bug as a child, interest that he later put to use in deciphering Japan's purple, 
all in caps, code during World War II. It seems like almost every part of a lot of stuff that Edgar Allan Poe wrote, people were just like, hot damn, this is a thing. Yeah, I mean, he spawned a lot of imitators. (laughs) Actually, the Wikipedia page for The Raven notes that, you know, since he was a household name, the poem was soon widely reprinted, imitated, and parodied. Parodies include The Craven, The Gazelle, The Whippoorwill, The Turkey, and The Polecat, which apparently caught the attention of a lawyer who sent it to Abraham Lincoln, who thought the poem was hilarious, but had not actually read The Raven. Oh, no. (laughs) One of the first, one of the other things that Poe influenced was the whole idea of, of premature burial, which he wrote the story, The Premature Burial, where someone gets buried alive. Except I'm now on a page from the New England Historical Society, which says that I guess that was just a thing that people were scared of. Because there's a quote from George Washington in 1799 to his personal secretary, Tobias Lear, to make sure he was dead before he was buried. Quote, have me decently buried and do not let my body be put into the vault in less than three days after I am dead. That's fucking horrifying. I mean, it kind of makes sense that that would be a thing you would be afraid of. Didn't they used to have bells in churchyards to sort of, you know, bring it back around to bells for a minute, such that there would be a pull cord in the grave so that if somebody had been buried alive, they could ring the bell and then people would know that they had been buried alive and come get them? Yes. They're called safety coffins. And according to their (laughs) Wikipedia page, the fear of being buried alive peaked during the cholera cholera epidemic of the 19th century. Mm. And there have been multiple writings by uh, Edgar Allan Poe dealing with this fear, including the fall of the House of Usher and the cask of Amontillado. Yes. Yes. It's wild to me that the cask of Amontillado was a meme for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's all sorts of safety coffins. In New Haven, Vermont, a a man named Timothy Clark Smith asked for a window installed above his gravesite, centered squarely on his face, so that if he woke up, someone who was walking by could see him. He was buried in 1893 and now the window's all cloudy because I guess he didn't think of that. (laughs) (laughs) Evidently, there was a man, uh, in addition to like the general fears of this due to disease and just like folk stories. In 1884, there was a Cambridge, Massachusetts doctor named Moore Russell Fletcher who fanned the flames of taphophobia, which I guess is the fear of being buried alive, which he, he wrote a treatise called 1,000 Persons Buried Alive by Their Best Friends which was a collected stories from newspaper accounts around the world, some of which were definitely sensationalized, which made everyone just freak out even more. Uh-huh. And like kind of revived it throughout the mid, the middle of the 19th century such that people decided like, we need to make these safety coffins. We need to get them out to people right quick. And I will say, more Russell Fletcher, not a really cool thing to do. And also your mustache doesn't excuse it. It may be good, but not good <laughs> enough. Just to finish off safety coffins... According to the final bit of the Wikipedia page, despite the fear of being buried while still alive, there are no documented cases of anyone being saved by a safety coffin. (laughs) (laughs) So not that safe as it turns out. Indeed. I'm remembering, this is like a deep memory, and I I found it, and it took me a little bit to find it, but I remember reading a a children's book of three Poe stories. Famously suitable for children, Edgar Allan Poe. (laughs) Oh, not at all. But I, I found it on, on Amazon. It was uh, published in 2004. It's called Edgar Allan Poe's Tales of Mystery and Madness. It is a collection of some of his short stories. 
And then there came sequels to this, which were other ones. Collect- collected and, I guess, illustrated by a man named Gris Grimsley? Or Grimley? That's a good name for illustrating Poe stories. It, it is. It's got, like, kind of Tim Burton-ish and Edward Gorey-ish, like, illustrations. And it has uh, Hop Frog, Mask of the Red Death, The Black Cat, and I think The Fall from the Fall of the House of Usher. Although maybe it's just those three. I'm remembering that and and just the horrific just expressions on everyone the entire time. <laughs> I guess this is just me plugging this guy's book, but it's it's stirring some deep evocative memories. And it shows like 2004, Poe was a household name in his time, but we're still talking about him and not just the Raven. Well, yeah, because as it turns out, he spawned multiple genres and a host of imitators. Although, Mitchell, I'd like to just sort of vindicate you before we finish up. Please vindicate me. Not everybody liked the bells. Oh, good. On the critical response section of the Wikipedia page for the bells, it specifically says that critic F.O. Matthiasen rejected the repetitive sounds employed and musical tone as, quote, a case of onomatopoeia pushed to a point where it would hardly be possible or desirable to go again. <laughs> <laughs> And Poe biographer Jeffrey Myers noted that The Bells is often criticized for sounding mechanical and forced. You know what? I'm glad. You're in good company. And I'm in good company. Oh, and speaking of, the uh, the bells outside are tolling. So I think that means it's time to finish up. What have we learned today? Edgar Allan Poe was a prolific writer of short stories and poetry, 1809 to 1849, with a mysterious death that befits perhaps a a character within one of his stories. There are are many theories as to how Edgar Allan Poe died, ranging from rabies to cooping, which was a form of election fraud. It might have been both. Either way, just two days after he died, Rufus Wilmot Griswold published a really mean obituary about how shitty Poe was as some sort of form of revenge for things that Poe had said to him while he was alive, and it was just roundly considered a dick move. (laughs) Everyone disliked that. Poe inspired many people and was actually well-known in his time and still is now. His work, The Goldbug, inspired Robert Louis Stevenson to do Treasure Island. And his character of Chevalier Auguste Dupin inspired pretty much every character within the detective genre, from Sherlock Holmes to Hercule Poirot, even before the word detective was even a thing. Poe had a obsession that he shared with the culture at his time of being buried alive. And because of this great fear amongst the Victorian peoples, they invented safety coffins to save them in that eventuality. <laughs> and he married his cousin. Oh, no. Well, that was a morbid episode, but I enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, share it with a friend. If you hate the show, share it with an enemy. And either way, follow our Instagram. It's at 3DWPcast. That's the number 3DWPcast. I'm Gus. I'm Mitchell. I'm Evan. And this has been Three Dudes Wearing Plaid. Have a great day. Next time on Three Dudes Wearing Plaid. Ha ha ha, it is I, Hercule Poirot. I resent the fact that a man came before me named Chevalier Auguste Dupin. Well, Mr. Poirot, it's such an honor to have you here. Please tell us more about your feelings about other detectives in your genre. Uh, the other detectives, <laughs> they, uh, uh, ha ha ha. I am a Belgian, but I speak with this accent and they do not... They do not capture my fantabulous mustache. Why must the Sherlock Holmes be clean-shaven? Find out next week on Three Dudes Wearing Plaid.
Thank you.